0: I would say something and somebody else would say something and something. we're like, oh, we see a pattern forming now across the state. And then, um, you know, realize that there was a problem.
1: The New Hampshire Fire Academy and EMS presents the Kitchen Table Conversation podcast. In this Kitchen Table Conversation, we talk about recruitment and retention with Laconia Fire Chief Kirk Biatti. The son and grandson of firefighters, Chief Biatti grew up in the Franklin area, became a fire explorer, and then in 1997 became a city firefighter. He was appointed Chief of Department in October 2018. Chief Biatti currently serves as the first vice president of the New Hampshire Association of Fire Chiefs.
2: Welcome to our kitchen table, and thank you for joining our conversation today. Uh, first, uh, I want to do a shout-out to Captain DeRusso as uh, uh, we're thinking of you, and stay strong. Chief Biotti uh, joins us from the Laconia Fire Department. Uh, he born and raised in the Franklin area, was an explorer for the uh, Franklin Fire Department. His father and grandfather were in the fire service. So I came in, uh, got involved in Franklin, joined Laconia, and been with Laconia ever since. Ever since, since 97, yep. So Chief, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So we're here to talk about uh, recruitment and retention, uh, something that all departments, career, volunteer, call, paid on call, whatever version department uh, you're running with, that's something that all departments are struggling with. You know, on a higher level, Chief, as it relates to the fire service, the general fire service in New Hampshire, how how did we get here?
0: You know, I I just wanna start off by by first of all, thanking you for having me, but I I certainly serve as the fire chief for the city of Laconia, but I also um, am the first vice president for the New Hampshire Chiefs Association. And one of the things that we see all the time is that we certainly know that this does not affect just career or call or volunteer. And I I wanna make sure that we mention that um, as much as we can, and we talked about that ahead of time because it really Absolutely, does. Absolutely, yeah. And and they, we all work uh, together in, in trying to solve this issue, um, and everything that we're trying to do, um, especially through the chief association, um, in our workings with all the different state agencies that that deal with fire. Um, you know, we we try to hit we try to address everybody's issues. And sure. Uh, well, we know uh, that the
2: state easy, is about seventy percent uh, call volunteer. Right.
0: So. Right. Um, so, you start off with a great question because I wish there was an easy answer I wish there was a you know a, a silver bullet to say this is what the, the problem was um, I, I think we're seeing it for a lot of different reasons that, that we're in these positions um, and it and I'll, I'll talk about a couple of them but I also think it's different for how you where you are in your career in the fire service as to what you think maybe the causes, and that's why it's great to try to, when we engage a lot of different organizations and a lot of different people, um, we have that opportunity to um, try to hear different different takes. Um, you know, I've been, between my call and career, I've been in the fire service for almost 30 years. I'm going to have a different view as to why people aren't in it today than somebody who is 18 years old getting out of high school and why they don't want to be in there. Right. Um, you know, I, I think we, we have noticed that... Um, you know, we all know there's a lot of private sector jobs available out there right now. You can get out of high school and go into some jobs that are well-paying um, with or without college education, um, and that's attractive. People who have had some life experience can get jobs in the private sector that are really well-paying and, and um, provide them a little bit more of what they want in their lives that maybe the fire service doesn't provide. So there, there's an issue there. I read one study and I'm sure there's multiple studies, but I read one study that said that uh, in the last twenty years there's been a thirty percent decrease in military, uh, active military members. So active military members become retired military. Um, and we all know that if you go through the sixties, seventies, eighties, you know, some departments were twenty five to fifty percent of their members once served in the military. Yeah. And they're not there anymore. So that, that we've noticed that to be a cause. Well, we
2: talked the other day. When we talked the other day, you know, the the firehouse has a consistent. You know, the firehouse I grew up in, you know, had Vietnam veterans and Korean War veterans and World War Two veterans, and they were the they were the leadership. They were the leadership structure of the fire department. And I that was in upstate New York and a true volunteer department, and it's still a volunteer department all these years later.
0: So, you know, and, and another another issue that we see, and not to make a simple, not to simplify it at all but less people in the fire service draws less people into the fire service so if you were you know if your parent you know was on the job or they're call and career members of a department you're growing up you always see your parents go to the fire station for calls for meetings for whatever you're drawn to it sure um and and i think it's probably safe to say that there are many generations of the fire service where the reason you were in the fire service was because of some exposure you had as a as a young person, either seeing a parent, grandparent, uh, you know, uncle on whatever in the fire service. And as those numbers decrease, there's just that less trickle down effect to the uh, to the next generations. Sure. So so running into that as well. But
2: just, just an aside, my mother blames emergency well,
0: for me getting in the fire. If you're old enough, then I was, you know, so. you know, <laughs> absolutely. But you say, you know, Chief. But there's a draw, you know. And I'm only 25, so I get that it's... <laughs> um, I think there was always a draw to public services as well. Yeah. You know, military, police, fire. There was a draw to do those jobs. You, you know, I mean, we, anybody who's done this as they were growing up, that was, you had an affinity to it. I don't know if we have that same affinity right now. So one of the things that we have to do in the long run, and I know we'll talk about this later, is to make sure we're addressing those younger um, generations, those younger kids, middle school, high school-aged kids, to try to get them to have that draw to again career caller full-time you know or career caller volunteer at this this wonderful profession
2: and uh, in Laconia when did when did you start to notice a change when did you start to feel
0: I think we can probably start saying that in five to seven year range we started to see numbers go down but it I, it, it happened in a way and, and maybe I was a little oblivious to it or naive to it um, but you see numbers of applications go down, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, you know, bad year of applications. Well, how many of those bad years before you realize, oh, there's a pattern here now. Sure. And and I think that maybe we didn't catch it right away. I think that's probably. I think we're all in that same boat, um, that you just didn't see um, those numbers of applications come through. So. You all of a sudden realize, wow! Now we're going from having, you know, I, I would probably average somewhere in the twenty to twenty-five range for applications per job, all meeting all qualifications, and then all then now you're down into the single-digit numbers, and you go, oh, what just happened? Yeah. Well, maybe it didn't just happen. We just, you know, we started we, seeing, started, started seeing, it and started catching it a little bit later, and, um, you know, so unfortunately played a little bit of catch-up, um, going through there, and but as we started talking about it through the state, I think we started really seeing I would say something and somebody else would say something and something we're like oh we see a pattern forming me now across the state and then um you know realize that there was a problem
2: so it's uh, just just uh offside so safer grants have be- become an increasing part of uh, recruitment and the ability to bring on people uh, we have m- more numbers on the career side than we ever have before uh did that reduce the
0: pool there are certainly more career opportunities in the state than there were ten years ago than there was fifteen and twenty years ago so we know that mm-hmm. um, I think it's I think it's a you know it's certainly a combination yes it saturates the, the, the state a little bit um, but if we went back and had the same numbers of full-time applicants that we had twenty years ago the number of job openings today wouldn't be an issue so um, this
2: is a you know we get a lot of attention now on we see in the news and the headlines about you know the, the 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 workers aren't coming back. So this is this is a truly not a COVID thing.
0: I don't think so. No, I I, I don't think it is. No, certainly we know we had retirements from the full time side, and I will guarantee that there were people that left call and volunteer departments because they didn't want to deal with right um, with this COVID issue any longer. You know, it's been almost two years of this now, and it's it's a um, it's difficult on our personnel. Absolutely. Um, whether you're doing ambulance work or not i mean you know, first response on fire going to ambulance calls or um you know transporting ambulances it's it's difficult you know you take a call we're fortunate we have a hospital right in the city you will transport we can do you know a call from start to finish 45 minutes a half an hour sometimes you start adding the covid decon plus the crew having to you know clean up and all that you know and and, and now you're talking an hour or more on per call if you're lucky and there's that mental aspect of understanding that you know you're you're transporting two, three, four, five COVID patients a day, um, it does wear on people. Sure. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen mass exodus because of it, um, but there's no doubt that it has affected us um, in the in the in the grand scheme of things. Yeah.
2: You know, the uh, Chief Stapleton in, in one of his books, I believe it was uh, 30 Years on the Line. He talked about how. Uh, cold winters would promote retirements from those people that, uh, you know, they had, met all, they had met all the factors, they had the time and the service and all those things, and then if they went through a bad winter, and said, yeah, yeah, you know, it's one more incentive to, to change the, the dynamic.
0: Well, I think one of the issues with the COVID is that there were so many unknowns, and the one thing I've always said about this is we've had great support from our state partners especially, um, and I'm not going to name any because I'll forget them all, but, you know, the <laughs> Marshal's Office, the Homeland Security, you know, Department of Safety, everybody related has given us great guidance. But we all know the guidance changed quickly, and we, we all saw that. So right. um, it was, you know, if you were nervous about doing hazmat, you could study everything about it, and you could understand it, and you could make a good game plan about exactly how you wanted to operate. With this, we were it changed so fast. Um, it changed, you know, sometimes daily. Yeah. Uh, what, what we had to do, um, and again, we were getting wonderful um, support from everybody. Um, but when things changed quickly. I can't, as the fire chief, always give you the right answer, and that's difficult. Um, to what we were supposed to do, um, we did what we were supposed to do at the time. Then all of a sudden, you know, a day later, it's actually changed a little bit. Right. You know that made it frustrating, um, and it was nobody's fault. It's just the way the pandemic has played out. Yeah, and
2: and you know, seeing it on on a smaller size in my department, you know, same thing. You know, to the fact, to the point where sometimes the chief and I would talk, and the deputy would talk, and say, "Look, we, you know, how do we got to find a better way to filter this?" Because our department is mostly call people and they're getting bombarded by emails here's the next change here's the next change how do we filter this a little bit so you know that we, we can't just keep piling change on change on change on change in order for them to get it to, to do the right thing at the right time because they're reading the emails in the right succession but
0: <laughs> hey, well i'm glad you brought that up because actually we had that same issue and you know i know you talked about you know having this as potential for future leadership type classes and stuff we actually made a conscious decision to almost restrict a little bit about what we're putting out. We were putting out so many emails, so many, you know, that you know they weren't going to read them all. Right. And if you said, if you read them in the wrong order, that changes things. So we really condensed what we did and made one person our point person for, for distributing information. And we set parameters on times, so the one that's going to go out, you know, every, I forget what day we did, but I think it was Fridays. You know we're putting out this information unless it's something critical that changes um, so you know you can go to this focused point get your information um, and and be up to date what's going on without having to uh, overthink everything
2: what are some of the things that you've tried in laconia and then what worked and what didn't work
0: sure. uh, i will certainly reiterate what you just said if you have ideas out there <laughs> i'll <laughs> take it from too you know i think we all have the same the same issues you know, we tried. I, I think one of the biggest things that we've tried to do um, is, is something the fire service has never really done great is market themselves because we've never had to, right? I mean, if, if you were a department, um, it had all the applications you ever need, you had all the call firefighters you ever need, you had, you yeah. you didn't need to market yourself. You knew that if you put out an ad in the paper and said we're looking for firefighters, you got them um so we've tried to do a better job at marketing and and certainly in this day and age social media marketing is really a big key of what what we're doing um the fire department has a social media page a facebook page that we use and we try to use it um as a positive tool our um our, our union local 1153 they have their own social media site um they've been working really hard at positive um Social media posting and mm-hmm. really to show the positives of the department and and show why it's a good place to come work, um, and I think that that's that's helped. That certainly made a difference because people see it. Um, you know, you you look, you flip through some of the posts when you get the likes on there, and it's the younger generation. I mean, that's on there. It's either people that are in the fire service that are, that are just enjoying seeing the sites, or but there's a lot of younger non-firefighters that are enjoying sure. what they're seeing. Uh, another thing we did, um, which it was an interesting help that it did. I reached out to um, Plymouth State University, to their marketing department, mm-hmm. and, I, and I threw out an email to their head of marketing, um, their, their professor of their, their marketing department, and I said, you know, of the education department, and I said, Do you got anybody that would be willing to work with us as a project, a student, um, on marketing, Wilconia Fire Department specifically, um, but the fire service in general? Didn't even expect to get a reply back. I get a reply back about an hour later. I says, yeah, I got the perfect person for you. So I had this young lady who was graduating. Um, she uh, needed an extra credit for, um, for school. They agreed to make this a credit um, to have her work with me. Um, <clears throat> and we spent a lot of time, um, mostly by phone, um, she came up with marketing ideas. And it was stuff that, it was there, there was some simple stuff involved um but you know about getting out to um she actually set us up going to some college fairs and some job fairs and things like that stuff we probably would have thought of but one of the best parts that we had with her um is she goes do you mind if i ask you some questions i said no of course not so she started asking me these questions and there was stuff i never thought of and again because i've been in the fire service long enough i didn't think of those sure simpler jobs. so simpler um thoughts you know how do you compete with the private job market how you know um why does a kid today want to get in the fire service well I think back to when I why I wanted to get in isn't maybe and we've already talked about this right it maybe isn't what the driving factor is today so um she was excellent to deal with that that was actually a lot of fun um a lot of fun to work with um you know and I, I don't I don't want to jump into any other questions you might ask but I, just to back up a little, one of the things that we've also I think been very successful with um, is working with other departments um, throughout the state and seeing what other people are doing, just like we're doing right here today. You know, what else? What has worked for you? What has worked for this department? Seeing what other people put out. Um, you know, I hate to say steal ideas, but you know, you look and see. Oh, this particular department is advertising this way. You know, we changed our. You know, our flyer used to be as simple as it you know, just a word you know, 12 point font word here you go, here's the job thing. You know right. and then we created a, a much more visually a pleasing, a pleasing you know, job application and, and I mean um, you know poster job flyer. Um, anything we could try to do along those lines to, uh, to make that happen. Another thing we've done um, that I think a lot of career departments haven't had to do, is that we had to acknowledge the fact that we maybe have to look at more candidates that don't have all their required um, uh, minimum qualifications. Every, you know, we all know that in the state, you know, CPAT, Fire 1, Fire 2, to be full-time is going to be required. There's no, you have no options that. Your EMS level of certifications dependent on your department. Um, so we've, we've seen people come in, we've hired some, some excellent employees recently that didn't necessarily meet all of what we would require as our minimum qualifications. And we've helped them go to either come down here to the fire academy or to a, you know a, a, an EMS training to get finish up an advanced EMT or a fire two down here or something along those lines. Um, and when we've broadened that that base a little bit and, and been a little more open, um, that's helped us as well because we never had to. And I, and I hate to say it that way, but and, and maybe that was maybe we lost good candidates over the years being a little bit stringent and strict on that. Um, but we've also we've seen that recently that you know being a little more open um, has helped us.
2: So going back to the Plymouth State student for a second, did did, <clears throat> did the university have did they put a lot of hoops in your way? Did you have to you know go through a lot of uh, you know jumping jacks to get that student I and e- get a, get the get her credit for that?
0: I emailed with the um, the director of the program once. He emailed me back, said this young lady will be calling me, and she called me, like, the next day. There was no hoops. Wow. Well, so I was very pleased. Yeah. yeah. It was great. And, again, the biggest thing I got out of it was I think it started making me think differently. And um, and I think that that's important. So uh, well, anything you tried that didn't work? I think just being stuck in the old ways didn't work. So hanging on, hanging on. You know, oh. I get told all the time. You know, uh, you know, we all have those little birdies in our ears, and I, I have those little birdies in my ears, saying we can't do it the old way anymore. You know, and and, yeah. and for different things, we we've all were in those boats where, well, this worked twenty years ago. Well, okay, stop, stop thinking that way. And 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 I think that that was, you know, one of the one of the things that that hurt me and hurt our department was, you know. Locking our heels in, and, and and again, I'll take the blame for it. It's my responsibility. Um, but locking your heels in on on the old ways of doing things and not being a little more open to um, being out there.
2: So, uh, talking to a number of volunteer call fire chiefs, uh, they because they don't have uh, their requirements to bring on a firefighter. It's not the same as a career fire chief to bring on a firefighter. Uh, but they're, they're they. You know, there, there was issues with uh, Fire 1 and the cost with Fire 1, and we've been able to, the state, and uh, has been able to use some resources and get the cost of the Fire 1 down. Uh, the time in the program has been reduced a little bit. Uh, the the curriculum in the Fire 1 has changed a little bit. Uh, to hopefully alleviate some of those issues uh, for onboarding a firefighter. Uh, but they're just not getting the the people in the door, right? It, it's changed, yep. you know, the, the, at any level, career level, call volunteer, they're just not getting the number of people in the door. Well, uh,
0: I, I made a, you know, obviously I my papers in front of me. I made a couple notes and one of the things I did want to say is that, you know, obviously the state is trying to make it easier without losing, um, you know, financially easier, which is great for all levels of the, you know, every department in the state can benefit from the, the, the price changes for Fire 1 and Fire 2. Um, but I think everything that the the academy's done and, and, and the commission has done to work on um, uh, making the class easier to take, Fire One and Fire Two, without losing the importance of the class, the sure. the, 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 the the safety of it, and I think you guys have done a, an outstanding job.
2: Well, when I, I I don't have a lot of opportunity to be in front of the Fire One classes, I, I work predominantly in the. Uh, in the professional development, the instructor and uh, fire officer courses. But when I do get in front of the fire off, uh, the firefighter one courses and I have the opportunity, it's, you know, I, I, from my perspective, I don't talk about the length of the course. I know they have it in their head but, uh, because they've seen the schedule. But, look, this is an important thing you're learning, you're, you're, you're taking on, yeah. and there's a lot of aspects to it that you probably don't know yet uh, so our goal as a training agency, training institution is to give you those tools and resources uh, so that you, number one, become a true benefit to c- your community, but you keep coming back, right, number one, and number two, you come home. That, that you know, this. We, we want you to learn and understand and pick these things up and learn enough of these things uh, so that you can help your community, but that you're safe as well. And and I think, you know, it's just, it's just it's an acknowledgement that the program is a long program, but here here's why. And it's a little different perspective of, you know, because we want you to be safe. Right. We oh, want yeah. you to be safe for your community. We want you to be safe for your family. So still a dangerous job. It's
0: still a dangerous job. And, and you know, <laughs> but I think you know, I think trying to make one of the things that we're seeing, I see personally and when talking to um, people throughout the state is that there's much more emphasis put um, on positive work-life balance um, and and I think that that is something that I think it's safe to say fire service throughout you know time has never done well right um, you know you're away from home a lot and it doesn't matter again doesn't matter if you're a call volunteer or career it doesn't matter you're away from home you're jumping up from the kitchen table at home with family and leaving and you know, there's there there's that bigger difference on that. So if we can still teach them safely and still make them understand all the principles that we need to do to make sure they come home every day, um, and acknowledge there's a you know there's a difference in that balance, I think it's a great thing, and I think you guys have done a wonderful job. So and it and it's
2: it's not, you know, we all know it because we live it every day. But it's it it's, it's truly an all hazard thing. Absolutely. I mean, we get called for things now. That, that
0: you know, forty years ago when I started, I would never have imagined. Right. But uh, pick, pick the phone up, they dial nine hundred one, and if they, you know, don't know what to do. It's coming our it's way. It's coming our way because
2: you know. I, well, I'll resist the opportunity to take a shot at the the blue badges,
0: but uh, I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be trying to do their recruitment and retention. Uh, that, that's a different either uh, at this point. You know, they're, they're you know, I have conversations with um, you know police chiefs all the time, and it's you know so many different reasons and 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 uh they they're in the same boat as we are yeah
2: so uh, on the career side for a second uh, what is it is is it money is it schedule is it the job what what's keeping that from being you know people coming in and getting thirty apps
0: again i I, I wonder if well again I think some of it goes back to maybe we're not just marketing it right and we're not you know um, pushing the job to the younger people. I, I will go back to say that you know, not having you know, departments used to have the Explorer programs, and then you know, yeah. were the families; those aren't there anymore. So that you're not growing that up. Um, we've seen numbers decrease at the um, LRCC in their in their fire technologies programs. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly at uh, NHTI with their paramedic program, the numbers are way down to what, than what they used to be. Um, so. Those as we need to do better at getting larger groups in. Um, as far as going full time, I, I, you know, I think the fire service throughout the years, and I think you would agree. Um, you know, especially you know you work through the, you work through the '80s and '90s when you know the economy would be bad. Public service jobs were great. You couldn't get a job because everybody wanted to do them. The sure. Good benefits, good pay, and job security. Um, you know, seeing that more open now in, in the private sector, I think people look a little bit more towards that way. Um, the job itself, especially from the career, is difficult for the timing. You know, we just talked a little bit about some work life balance type stuff. It's it can be difficult when you know you're working your shifts on nights, weekends, holidays, and and, and uh, you know, certainly the busier we are, the more overtime we're having to work to fill shifts. Um, that adds more time that you're away um and you start to add all those up and i think it's difficult on on people um we certainly i will say that i'm spoiled i have outstanding firefighters um i you know and i I know every chief would say the same thing but i have outstanding firefighters who are dedicated to the job um i i see guys that work so hard um to be successful with us um but there's also that that push and pull a little bit with with their personal lives that is a little I, th- I think it's harder to deal with today. Yeah, um, and I think some of it we we'll go back to one of our first topics. Covid's a great example of that. You know, they're always in their mind, "Am I bringing something home?" And it, it's difficult. But you know, we've been we've been fortunate that we, the the people that we've been able to hire have been outstanding. Um, we just need to get more numbers out there. We need to get more numbers across the state. So let, let's talk about the, the – I, I love how you
2: talked about the marketing aspect, and that allows me to put on my other hat. Uh, uh, so, you know, in in my prior life, uh, well, let's – so one of the things we did when I was on the floor up north, uh, we had a Firefighter Friday program where we would uh, – we would try a couple times a month. We'd go into the local school. One of the I come from a multiple community, right? So we went to one of the schools, and we went into the to the cafeteria a couple of times. We had lunch with the elementary school kids, the 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 K through three program, and that's what we would time. Uh, sometimes we would go in with a particular message. Sometimes we would just go in and just just to be there, so they're seeing us on more than fire drills and fire alarms and the times when we show up there because there's an ambulance call or something. So, it, and it it allows them to see us and interact with us. Uh, and and I'll say that. And now I'm going to go back uh, and say you know recently I I was in that community because I'm still associated with that department and I worked at a. Uh, a halloween event for the fire department and we had 400 some kids come by i was on the rescue we had some 400 kids come by the rescue uh two firefighters you just you know when i went to school a few days before you uh you know kids wanted when they grew up they wanted to you ask them what they wanted to be and they wanted to be a firefighter or they wanted to be a cop or they wanted to be a cowboy you know the smart kids wanted to be doctors or librarians uh now there are just so many other things that they're exposed to, as you yep. talked about yep. before. So, uh, to me, that's a form of marketing. <clears throat> it's a public safety thing because when we're in there, they ask us about safety things, and we're always free to we always talk about safety things. But it gets them to think of and it. But it's to me, it's a very beginning, the early level of marketing, marketing, marketing the fire service. And I agree that fire service has done a poor job on that for all kinds of valid reasons why those some of those things have have come off the table. Uh, but I think we need to find a way to, to do that and, and market it. And not just at the elementary level, but in job fairs and going to the schools and talk about it. Maybe we'll never get those explorer posts back again. Because I I started as an explorer. Uh, you know, but we have to find a way to Bring the you know that aspect, that community aspect, because it's a call to serve. Whether you're paid, you know, by the times you come in for each call,
0: or you get a weekly check or bi-weekly check, uh, it's a call to serve. Right. Uh, it it one of the things that we did that I didn't even think about to you were talking is um, we formed a, um, a recruitment committee and had three or four people on it um, from the floor, um, and we would send them out to um, job fairs, career fairs, things like that. That's um, so what got us in um, working a little bit more with some of the CPADs and things like that. That was that group. Um, because I agree with you, you go to the schools, you know, I can walk in as the fire chief in the school and, and the kids would think that's, that's great and they're gonna listen to everything you have to say about how wonderful your department is. Um, the... The firefighters on the floor are the ones that are going to do the best marketing for getting guys to come want to work there. Yeah. If I if I'm dealing with you know adults graduating college especially, and say you know I can go up there and talk about my department all day long. You get the you get the firefighters on the floor to to sell your department as as successful and and a great place to work. It goes so far. <laughs> you it, know it, it's great. It does, uh, but we
2: have to cater that message to the audience right because right, you can't go into the to the elementary schools or even the high schools I think and say oh you know the you're only working seven days a week or seven days a month and yeah, you know, you the, care the that. retirement system is this and you know they don't they don't care that's not the message they want to hear they want to understand you know the call to serve and they want and for me it goes back to the old you know 70s 80s rec- recruitment, Advertisements that we would see for the military, the armed forces, and and th- that they would outright challenge you to do. You, is this what you want to do? Think about this, right? You know, they were also
0: in your face trying to get you to come there. You know, they were not shy about you know recruitment, right? Uh, certainly, and and I think we need to. Excuse me. I think we need to recognize today too that when we go out and talk to these groups. If you and I are listening to a pitch about coming and join the fire service, what triggers me to want to do it and what triggers you could be two totally different things. Um, and you know, I talked to a business leader in the state. Um, this is probably a couple of years ago now. And you know, his first thing was, you don't sell the things that you should sell. The schedule is one example. Yes, our you know, I know for my personnel, I'm sure a lot of departments like this, you know. Firefighters end up getting hit with a lot of overtime, so it's, it's not as simple as, you know, eight days a month rotation. But do you sell that in your marketing? And I think we've always said no because we shy away from some of those conversations. Be, um, but he said those are the types of things you have to sell. You know, if you're trying to get people to come do the job, sell the good things about the job, the, the benefits. You know, uh, you know, we, not just the standard benefits. You know, right? pay and, pay and health insurance. But what are the other benefits of the of the profession as well? And and I don't think we always do that. Again, I said from the beginning, I don't think we market correctly. But I think we're getting much better at it. Now, I can easily say in the last five years, fire services, at least across the state and across the country, um, have done a much, much better um, job of, of marketing uh, themselves. I just saw an ad yesterday for L.A. City fire hiring. You know, and yeah. it's social media world that does that, but I'm seeing it you know, I don't know, three, 4,000 miles away, whatever it is, 3,000 miles away, you know, and I'm, you, right. you're getting that information. So you're, it's, so the, we have, they're trying to do marketing just like everybody else.
2: And the reason is because they're not getting applications either, right? Absolutely. So there's there's a reason why right. it's on, on a national thing. You know, I took the trooper exam for New York in 1985, 1985, and I was in one room of, I think there were 12 different <clears throat> test. Test sites across the state of New York, and there were 10,000 people in the room I was in, right? And I, you know, and that was in upstate New York, in Rochester, New York. I can't imagine what the sites were down in Westchester County. How many, how many people were in those buildings? So, uh, so uh, again, we're going to keep talking, have a conversation. Uh, So feel free to engage us, join us in the chats, uh, and. you know, excited, interested to hear what you have to say, and chief, if you have anything, you know, in the room, you know, bring it up. Let's talk about it. So, uh, you know, the uh,
0: is 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 this the new normal? I think it's a combination. I don't think um, I don't think we're going to be in this position forever. Um, but are we going to be back in the days of you know? you know, bigger cities, in the, even in the state, getting three, four, five hundred 500 applications and testings and, you know, call and volunteer departments where their rosters are full at 30, 40, 50, depending on what you had on your rosters. Right. I don't know if we're going there again. Um, and I hate to sound pessimistic, but I don't think this is, I, I think we're going to work hard. I think if we all, you know, do the right things um, and put our heads together and really work as a, as a state like we have been doing, um, I think we can break this away from being the new norm and, and you know, having a, a certain combination of what, what we used to have.
2: All right. Is it that people don't want to do the physical labor anymore, or, they, or, or is it a push to drive them to college education? Is it, a, is it an internal thing from the person or, uh, you know, from the department?
0: That, that's a great question. I actually, I have that kind of jotted down as well. I, I think there is some truth to the cold, dirty, dangerous, tough work that, that, this, that this does. And, and I think that that is part of it. Um, I think we've always pushed college. I mean, you know, I can remember even coming out of high school, you know, you went generally military or um, four year school. And you know, we saw a lot more push to to the um, to the trade schools, which is which is important. But yeah, I think there's I think there is some truth to the fact that this is a tough, dirty, dangerous job, and there are people out there right, that if you can go make the same amount of money and get the same amount of benefits and do a job that's either college related, you know, where you had to had a college degree, or um, less. You know that whole invasive, hard work. Yeah, I think there is some truth to that.
2: So I I come back and uh, I I talk a lot. So for those that don't know, I run the National Fire Academy programs for the state, and I bring them in. So it allows me to talk to a lot of the different instructors. And you know, we talk about that aspect a lot. But so you have you went to school. Mm -hmm. I went to school. Is the next fire chief in Laconia going to
0: have a master's degree? Um. Would I, I was required <clears throat> to either have I will tell you that from my position, my manager required our position to either have um, executive fire officer or masters. Right. And I don't have my EFO. I have my masters. Sure. Cool. Um. I think it's well. I think I think positive college education. I think formal education is important. Um. Whether it has to be at at the master's degree level or not, that's dependent on. Uh, on how you look at the picture. But um, the nice thing is if you go to a trade school, you go to LRCC, get your associate degree, get into working, there are so many opportunities to go out and get affordable higher education. Sure. Um, uh, You know, it's not free, but it's affordable higher education. And and I actually went back to school a little bit. I had two associate degrees when I started full-time, and I was – I was probably close to 15 years on the job before I went back to get my bachelor's, and then and then went turned it right into a master's. But um, you know, yeah, I I think there is a lot of push for formal education, um, and I think it benefits. I, I certainly think there's a benefit to it. Um, but I think as far as entry level positions go, um, I want to see workers that can do the job, work hard. Sure. And, and you know, if you have those degrees, great. If you want to promote through, I think you, I'm always a proponent for, for continuing education, um, obviously. But, you know, I don't know if the entry level needs, to, I, you know, I don't know if you always need that level to be your entry level, so we want guys that can come in and women that can come in and work hard and do the job and, and be good, strong firemen, firefighters. Right, so. <clears> and and I will it... say, listen, I just gotta say, I always say firemen, I always say, put in guys, <laughs> I, I will say, just if everybody knows this, I, I we, we have five kids in our family, and I have a son that does this as a call firefighter, and I have a daughter that's also in the fire service. Sure. So when I say guys and firemen, she laughs and says, she, yeah. so I don't. <laughs> well, Chief, you're, thank you for saying that, but your creds are are legit.
2: I mean, you have one of the more diverse fire departments in yeah, the we, state. we always have, yeah.
1: The New Hampshire Fire Academy and EMS presents the Kitchen Table Conversations webcast. Our discussions are with fire chiefs, officers, and industry experts and cover a wide range of topics relevant to daily life and work in today's fire and EMS service. Topics covered are at the kitchen tables in departments down the street and across the country.
2: One of the things that uh, East Kingston has done is uh, they've created a flyer uh, and it has the QR code and it takes them to a recruitment video uh that they have, and then they, there's a follow-up, a subsequent follow-up, uh, where they get an informa- informational sheet, right? And uh, it's, it's hitting them, it's recognizing the changes in the generations, uh, and it's hitting those younger generations uh, in a manner which they're accustomed to, frankly. Uh, so congratulations, Chief, and it's worked, working well. So thank you, Chief. And it's just a, it's a, it's an indication we were talking, you know, during the break that, you know, once we were all, all of us, each of us, I don't care how many years of service you have in, in the room, we were always that generation, right, the new generation. Every one of us was that new generation that was the worst ever. Uh, so uh, recognize it, right? So deal with it, you know, you know shut up about it. Understand it and work with it, and you know, approach them and bring them in and make them the next best generation. Because no one is as good as us. Well, but, no, that's, so but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I think that,
0: I think you bring up a great point though. Is that we have to? Or we talked about it a little bit earlier. We have to acknowledge that that times change, people change, um, and I think at the fire service, laws, we still need to have our core values. And we still have to have the core abilities and and those values and what we do as the fire service. Um, But, you know, if there are ways that we can make some changes that fit um, newer people coming in, um, it's what we have to do.
1: All right.
2: So uh, we're going to take some of the questions out of the chat now. And, Chief, I'm going to ask you to put your New Hampshire fire chief's hat on. for a second. So Patrick talks about uh, following the police academy model where they hire them in, they bring them, they onboard them, and then they provide their training. So they're getting paid while they train.
0: I think it's a great idea how the, the, the issue runs into how do we get the funding at the state level to be able to have the fire academy, which runs, obviously you guys run phenomenal recruit school program. How do we do more of those a year? How do yeah, is it possible and how do we do that? Um, you know, if, if your class ended today and I want to hire somebody in the police model, when do I get to have them go back through a program like that? You know, is it too long of a time? Is it does it make it worthwhile? I, I think the police standards model for being able to do that, I think you would draw, I think it would be a draw for personnel. Um, but we have to be able to get them, we can't have them, you know, in any type of department, but certainly, you know, in a career department, if they physically can't do firefighting work for eight, ten months because it's so far down the line before the next program is how to you know, how does that work for us long term? Um so I, I like the idea of it. So it departments would pay them while they go to
2: recruit school? Let's just stay in the recruit school model for a second.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if we were gonna go to I know I mean I can only speak for myself, but I, I think if we were gonna go to a police academy model um yeah that, that's how we would end up having to do it but if it means at the end of this at the end of recruit school time as long as long as they passed recruit school you were going to get this firefighter um for x number of years whatever you had for an agreement with them with their contract with you um if you're hurting to find people and you find somebody that wants to go but they just not don't have all the search yet and you can send them I said earlier that we, we started to hire people that we had to send to even Fire 2 or Advanced EMT. I'd be willing to look at that. And I think a lot of people would be willing to look at that if, as long as we knew classes roll up. And it's not easy. It's a lot of work on the academy, it's a lot of financial sure. responsibility, but I, I like the idea of it.
2: Well, we're, we're seeing it on the EMS side, right, uh, Manchester's and, and uh, Nashua, AMR's. You know they're hiring people. They're sending them to school. They're paying them to go to school. Now there's there's benchmarks in the program that they have to hit to, to maintain employment, but they have guaranteed employment when they finish their e, their EMT yeah. program. Uh, so you know the model is in there. It's in the states. We see it on the EMS side and on on the police side. Uh, you know you know there's a question about having. Uh, Uh, I think it was Meredith that asked, you know, how do we get more Fire One programs in the state uh, and more outreach Fire One programs in the state? And, you know, there's two aspects to that. Uh, So we only have so many resources uh, to provide those. We try to provide them in all areas of the state. Uh, And we've been, I believe, I don't have the number in front of me, but I actually think we've, we're, at the end of 21, uh, you know, in a still in a COVID role, I think we've run more one or two more Fire One programs this year than we have in the past, and uh, so that's our that's our resource allocation that we're struggling with in the state. Because you know what? Guess what? We're having a hard time hiring instructors as well uh, and bringing them back. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in in the past, in the true COVID world, you were to blame for some of that uh, because you would, you had a lot of overtime you were offering. And then there were the immunization sites that were people were getting paid for Mm -hmm. and the state just can't, can't compete with that. Uh, You know, and then, then there was, you know, I I don't want to go there and be exposed And bring it home i i already get exposed in my workplace i don't want to go there and get exposed to
0: yeah i mean Uh, take the covid piece out of it It, it's still difficult i know you guys were were struggling with instructor numbers total, total numbers of instructors um you know again it becomes a you know no one organization no one group is going to solve this problem and and you know We've been working on this. If you don't mind me jumping into something no, real no, quick, no, okay. um, pre-COVID we had a meeting, um, a group formed through the Chiefs Association, and we were working with the the Academy on some of this recruitment and retention stuff. We had some ideas. We had some things moving along. Um, life got in the way for you know jobs, everything. It was difficult. COVID hit, went away. So now we've reformed this committee. It's the Chiefs Association. Fire Academy, Fire Marshal's Office, Professional Firefighters in New Hampshire, and the um, State Firemen's Association uh, are all at the table together, sitting around saying, how do we fix this problem together? And and, and those are how you gotta make changes happen. You know, one group saying something is one thing, five groups saying something who would, those five groups encompass all the firefighters in the state, one way or another. those are how you're going to make these changes, and, and I and I'm really happy to see that working. Um, it's still reforming, um, but once the ball gets really rolling, it's gonna. I think it's going to take off. So that that'll
2: provide the the fifty thousand foot uh, aspect and provide resources for the local
0: level. What it's going to do is it's going to answer some of those questions that all, all the groups have answers. Now we're going to put them together. So what is the big problem? What is the solution? And some of the solutions we can do, you know, this is a great flyer. It helps his department, um, but I can guarantee he's got ideas for how, at the state level, we can. Help. Well, each individual group would struggle to get this make major changes state level. Five groups coming together, pushing change at the state level, I think is where you see, um, you know, there's safety in numbers, right? There's, you know, sure. the, you get, you know, a lot of squeaky wheels potentially could get the, you know, get the grease better
2: yeah so and i know you talked at the state level and i know the fire academy's you know part of that so mm-hmm. and i don't want to get myself in trouble because i'm i'm wearing a fire academy hat today but uh you know that there's 240 towns and cities and towns in new hampshire how does the state provide outreach to all 240 of those it's got it has got to be happening at the at the local level
0: right absolutely i mean i i think you know it was and I can't speak for you guys at all, but I, I know that you know you have these wonderful facilities down here. You got the one you know, the North Country facility, which is outstanding. Um, but flashback, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, there was a lot of a lot of these classes were done remotely, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, outreach type programs. And I don't want to speak for the academy. I don't know what the right answer is with that, um, but I do know that that is you know, if we can get more outreach programs, I think that'll certainly help. And I and I and I think that. Um, I don't want anybody to think I'm sitting here saying that the state's not doing it because they are. And I think every, every level of the Department of Safety, uh, you know, the Commissioner's Office is, is understanding of all this. Certainly the Academy and all the groups I, I just um, mentioned understand that this is a bigger problem and it's a statewide problem. Um, and uh, I think everybody's trying to find an answer to what the solution is. It's like any major problem. Are, do we have a solution, you know, or is it multiple solutions? And I think the answer is we have multiple solutions. Sure. And how do we make it all work together? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we stand right now.
2: Because there isn't that magic I, wand, There isn't, right? There
0: isn't a magic bullet, you know, or magic one thing that you can say. If you could do X, you would solve all your problems. It's not there. Um, so that's why having multiple groups together and, and all of us talking um, – because we have ideas, say, from the chief association that, and then we work with Director Cutting, and he says, well, this is what we can do. Well, we didn't even know that. you know. And then everybody puts their little piece of that puzzle in together, and True. now you say, oh, okay, now we're actually forming some some solutions that, that we need to try. Uh,
2: right. I mean, it,
0: we all know it, but we need to
2: say it, I guess, because the, the population, the structure of New Hampshire is so diverse, you know, from urban metropolitan mm-hmm. areas to – you know, very, very rural areas. Uh, so, you and know, I, that, that one, it, there's not a one size fit no, all No,
0: and there isn't. And I think that that's so important to, to emphasize. We talk about career and call and volunteer departments all struggling with the same thing. Well, this is also in Nashua, and it's also in Manchester, and the smallest departments in the state. It, it's a, it is 240 departments, right, every, or communities. Every single one of them is facing this exact same problem. Right. Um, if you're not, congratulations. You know, yeah, that, that yeah, I I would love <laughs> find to find out who that is. Find so out who that he, is, and I'd love to know why. Right. You know, but uh, everybody's in the same boat together, and I and I think that uh, the more all of us talk about this, um, you know, the more all of us are, you you can get some smart people into a room or smart ideas that maybe we never thought of. And again, I like I mentioned I talked to a you know business professional, and he had ideas that you know, I may not have thought of, I wouldn't have thought of. Um, you get a simplistic, sometimes it's that simple answer. Right. That, you know, oh, you're looking at the this answer. What about this little thing down here that you didn't even think of? And,
2: and so, that, that, that's a great thing, and I'm, I, I, I'm glad you brought it up. We talk about it in the fire officer programs a lot. Look, you know, the, a lot of ideas, good ideas, they don't have <clears> to come from within the fire House, You know, read the business books. Go to those self-helps. Read those books. Expand your reading list to enclose those things. Go to the Chamber of Commerce meetings and talk to those business leaders and engage. Find out what they've done.
0: I I tell you, some of the best information I've got um, on leadership and management for the fire service in my readings have come from non-fire service-related books. You know, business, um, non-profits, it doesn't matter. how to deal with personnel, how to deal with recruitment and retention, how to deal with marketing, you can get answers from everywhere. You know, uh, it's not always have to be, you, you know, my reading list is certainly not read these fire books. It's read these books, you know, and expand your, expand your knowledge base. So uh,
2: Patrick uh, also asked about the high school programs, and we have a number of, of programs in New Hampshire that we've supported, the Fire Academy has supported. Uh, Probably the most active program, in my opinion, Scott's opinion, is the MST program uh, in Manchester, probably the next best one or the next most active one. I shouldn't say best. The next next most active one would be over in in the Keene and Cheshire area that uh, Graham Gitchell runs. Uh, So they're out there, uh, it's a it's a struggle to bring them in again because of numbers, uh, and to keep them running. Uh, I believe the convale program uh, in the multiple had multiple schools, multiple students, and they would bring people in. So it was it, it's a regional school in a regional area, so
0: they would bring people in. Uh, but the, but like everything, those numbers are falling. Uh, One of the things that we talked about in that in that working group that we have with those five five organizations is about getting out better outreach middle school level, high school level, college, all you know, you go down to, um, UNH and someone's studying whatever. And they're they're maybe they're an athlete for them or maybe they're, you know, they're just that type of person where I'm, yeah, I'm doing this, but that's, I don't know if that's what I want to do for a living and pushing this. And, you know, you're, uh, the New Hampshire Fire Academy, the the YouTube series that you guys did, that first alarm where you followed around the recruits mm-hmm. through a through a, um, a recruit school. I've heard such good things from that. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I've seen them all, but I've heard so many people talk about it, and it really gave gives an insight to what you, what we do not only in the profession but in recruit school. So if we start turning those type of events into talking points um, for middle, high school, college. You know, I, th- I think, you know, those are the positives, and those are the things that these that this organization, this recruitment of attention with the, with the five organizations really trying to work on. Yeah.
2: What you shared, uh, uh, and <clears throat> I don't know if I'm throwing you under the bus or not, your daughter was mm-hmm. a, a fan of those, and she's yeah. in Maine,
0: right? Yeah, she went to a different recruit school program, um, but before she went up there, she watched all of those. Um, yeah. it, it was just another... Uh, I can talk about what what it was going to be like all day long. I mean, I never went through a recruit school, you know. Sure. So I, I you know, we did our classes separately, obviously back then. Um, so she watched all those just to get an idea of what it might be like, you know. Right. So um, it was certainly a positive. Yeah, and it was. And it was and very. And I thought they well were entertaining. Done. I thought they were. You know, I thought yeah. they were, You know, you kind of followed the people through.
2: And it and and I watched everyone, and I look forward to the next one. And uh, you know the. Uh, I, I don't remember there ever being a conversation about money or benefits yeah. in any of those. So it was about the job. It was doing the work, doing the job, and you know, experiencing it and the camaraderie part of it. So uh, I, I keep coming back to that. Uh, I had a young firefighter approach me at, a, at an event, uh, and he, his, you know, he said, "You know, I've known him for a number of years." Uh, uh, He's just recently taken this step into the career field, but he's been a call uh, firefighter for a number of years. Uh, And he said, you know, hey, Cap, look, the state has to do something, right? They've got to do a better job on this recruitment thing. You know, the state has to go out and go into these towns and communities and and help sell this. And I I don't want to say his name, but... Uh, and I said, well, that's, that's great. Uh, the state can't do it for everyone. There's, right. that's a, it's a big area. We can provide the resources. But, frankly, what has to happen is you, young guy, you have to go in and do that, right? We can help you, and we can help your department, but you're the one that has to do that. And it can't be about, you know, pay and benefits and retirement and all that stuff because that's,
0: that's not what's going to bring them in. I think that's the difference between recruitment and retention. And we talk about those two words. I, you know, recruitment is getting them in the door, and you certainly don't want to disillusion anybody coming in the door that you know you're going to have all everything you ever wanted in life. But you got to get, you know get them in the door. The, re, the retention part of it for your individual departments, and this is where every department really becomes a little bit different, um, is what you can provide. And some of that is pay, some of it is benefits, some of it is working conditions. There are there are certain things that will get you to want to stay at your particular department, and that that becomes an individual, um, uh, I don't, know, an individual department issue. That they, they, you know, and you know, I've certainly lost guys to other departments um, for things that maybe we could have done different, um, and for things that I just can't change, um, and that becomes an individual. Uh, choice and, and, and unfortunately that happens um, but you know we, we've got to get those numbers in the door before you know a, and worry at the same time about um, losing them uh, elsewhere. Sure.
2: So Meredith uh, talks about the approaching the young firefighter you know we don't want to bring people my age into the firehouse we can. We accept them. We 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 use them, but we're looking to bring the young person in, the next generation in, the young uh, man or woman in that's going to be there for you know decades like we haven't to move the ball forward. So it's important to you know we'll, we take all comers right, uh, but we want to find that outreach. So Meredith talked about the issue is you know keeping them through the onboarding process, which is you know and and her question about you know getting them through the training aspect uh and that and that's a challenge it's a challenge because there's only one residential recruit school in new hampshire a year and it's in the summer summer summertime uh but then it's an outreach program and the outreach programs even
0: even now in the restructure they're months long uh yeah, and I try, you know, one of the things that I try to do whenever I'm interviewing with, um, you know, my people when they're coming in to, to try to work for us, um, no disillusion to the job. This is not, you know, this is, this is what it's going to be like. And certainly, you know, you, you draw in, you know, you get young people bringing in young people. I think that's a great idea. I think that's a wonderful idea. You know, um, we talked about it a little earlier. how It used to be families, you know, mom and dad might be on the department and they, and, you know, the kids sort of join as well. Well, certainly, peer, friend to friend, get you in the door as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, you got to be honest. If this is this is what the training is going to be like, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. It's, we all know it's not impossible, but it's hard and it's it's real work. Um, and you know, you'll probably lose some, but if you're upfront and honest with them at the beginning, and you know, convince them, you know, you know you can do this. You just have to put the work into it, and they're going to be successful at it. Um, and it takes time. It takes time, because uh, it's it's such
2: so diverse. Yeah. Right.
0: I mean, it's diverse. you know you have a lot of work to do to get to get your fire certifications. You know if you're trying to be full time or even some call departments, volunteer departments are going to want you to be EMS certified, and that's something you know I always get asked the question. You know I'll 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 see younger firefighters all the time looking to be full time. They'll be like, hey, you know I'd love to come work for you. You know, what do you have? Well, I have my fire one and my fire two, and they'll rattle off all these fire starts. I'll be great, what do you have for EMS certifications? They'll be like, well, I've thought about taking an EMT class. And I said, well, I can't hire you. You know, and and I can't speak for every full-time department of state, but I'm pretty sure they're all gonna require, you know, EMS um, of some form. Um, and, And so, you know, I always try to make sure that when I'm talking to, especially the kids that are already, it's not the right term but you know the younger people who are already going into maybe college or, or starting to take a recruit school program that type don't forget your emf yeah um and it may not be your favorite part of the job it may not be the most why you wanted to get into it but if, if this is what you're going to be looking to do you're going to have to do it there's no that's option it. around it that's right and yeah. and it doesn't matter where you go um you know even in, even in the bigger cities that don't require that don't run an ambulance they're still going out first response EMS. Absolutely. So you're yeah. always going no matter where you are, you're going to be doing EMS related work. It's, so it's, go get it done. It's in, you know, put the work into it. It's not, it's not something you can just show up at class and a couple weeks later, you get a certificate and you're done. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, but you know, with this, there's some state related, you know, courses um, through like the college, um but there's also a lot of private companies in the state that run ems training and, and they're all outstanding yeah we have some we're, we're very lucky we have some very good programs throughout the state that you can go to we do and yeah and i know we do. You can get it through different different areas yeah, different it,
2: aspects very good so uh you know meredith one thing i'll talk about it uh and i'll use my example and how we do it at up north in the local area is they come in and they're not trained but they want to be trained we'll bring them in we will hire them uh, and we include them in all our training aspects. So, uh, you know, if they wanna come in and just be an EM, EMT, that's fine. We we bring them in, we invite them in, and they participate in our EMS training, and we let them do that. And then, uh, you know, same on the fire side. If they wanna come in and they wanna be a firefighter, you know, we come in and, okay, so we incorporate them in our training. And yes, maybe they haven't been to the uh, SEBA course, but, I will put them, we'll, we'll work with them, we'll put the SCB on, we'll we'll get them, we'll monitor them, and we let them participate in training, which is different than having them do it and then putting them out on a, and putting them on a response vehicle and doing those things. Excuse me, but you know, we're keeping them involved, we're keeping keeping them engaged until a, they decide they're going to take the leap and go to training, and then they complete their training. Uh, but it's that engagement that that we find, uh, you know, and I think Chief Defossis is on the, the, the call. He signed up for it uh, and, and he's been very good about uh, using his resources, his, his budgets, and all our budgets are limited uh, and for paying for some of those EMS courses and sending them through it. And not, you know, early on, I think the prior chief would say, okay, well, you know, but you've got to sign here for so long. You know, and, and he's been burned a few times. You know, where he would pay somebody would go through training, and then uh, you know they either wouldn't finish it, or you know they never test out, or you know, you know, hey, the family changed and they moved and they went someplace else, and he's missed out on that training. But he's been able to help keep those people, get them in through the door, get them through the process, and then onboard them. Uh, that's not to say that. You know, we don't need more. So if you're in the North Country, Campton Thornton's looking for help, always looking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and just... That was, was a good thing. plug. That was well done. It was, it was, it was, it was. <laughs> well, one more thing, Campton. <laughs> they also have career positions available. You know, the, it was a misnomer, uh, you know, on the career side through the career personnel that, you know, we got to go to 24 hours. We got to go to 24 hours. 24 hours is going to solve our problem. It's going to help us bring people, Help. you know, help us you know, recruit and bring people in so we have to fill out the shift because it's a better schedule, right? Well, uh, he's got two career positions that have been open and they've been open since July. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're using uh, per diems to fill those uh, and we're burning out the per diems because that's not what they're meant to do. Uh, I but, think that's uh, what's
0: one of the nice things about that. Maybe and it brings up a point about uh, Campden Thornton is that it's not a if you want to be a career firefighter in the state of New Hampshire, you have a lot of options as to where you know if you want to be. And I don't think people maybe they don't always realize that. You know, if you want to work Seacoast, if you want to work in the North Country, if you want to be at a really small department, if you want to be at a really big department, and anything in between, you have those. There's, there's a lot of options out there that you get to you get to navigate. And like you said, you have had openings for a while, so you know. It, even though there's only two full-time positions, they do open up. It's not like they close. It's not like you you fill them today and they're never going to be open again. You know, they're, right. they're, well, there there's availability sure. out there to go find well, a place that. Well, you he's want got to work. six
2: positions uh, and he can't mm.
0: fill two of them, yeah. and they've been open for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that's one of the great things about this state is you know you can be you can be anywhere you want, and the more there's certainly more departments that are hiring full-time personnel. Um, you know, if you only want to work days, if you want to work rotating shifts, is you have those options, and, and I think that's what's great for, right. for somebody trying to become a career firefighter. So it, it, it's funny we talk about that, and,
2: and Chief DeFossis would talk about being a feeder department. You have folks in your department that we do spend time in Campton. and we do a
0: wonderful <laughs> job, too. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, you know, Littleton and Concord and, you know, Exeter and, you know, they... So, and that, you know, we get it. It's been that way for a long time uh, because we can't i mean campton's growing campton thornton is growing you know when i was there when i left i think we were doing you know just under 500 calls we're probably going to do a thousand calls this year uh so it's growing and it's expanding uh but you know we're not we're not we're not the city right we're not concord laconia manchester nashua uh
0: you know and i think I, i i i can speak that you know it's tough when you take because we know it affects other departments. I look, I lose people to other departments as well. Sure, um, and I know it's tough when you um, take from other places. Uh, the pool's so small, and uh, uh, you know it's unfortunately You have to do what you have to do, and it does affect everybody else, and we all know that. But I think it's one you know we've all sort of come to a you know that understanding that this is just unfortunately the way it is right now. And, and I don't think it used to be career going to career as much as you talk about feeder programs. It used to be call firefighters and volunteer firefighters going full time. Sure, And yeah. so, you know, I was there, you know, you take a young person who's a call firefighter because their family was involved and now they're on and then they're going, wait a minute, you mean I can do this for a career? Right. But yeah. And then they go take the program and they're excited about that and they go on to it. Um, <clears throat> We all know the call numbers aren't there anymore. The volunteer numbers aren't there anymore. Sure. So you lose that aspect of it. Well, of a um, of those feeder-type programs where, um, you know, this call department has 50 people on it. Two of them want to go full-time somewhere, but they've got all this training, so they get to go somewhere full-time. And But they those call departments still have plenty of people. Um, so unfortunately, times have changed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So in our our conversation, as we were preparing for today, we talked about lateral transfers. And I think just full disclosure, our observation was that we're trading a lot of paint between departments now. But the numbers, the data aren't supporting those observations. So, uh, thank you, Haley. So, in 2017 was the high point in the last five years, and we did 59 lateral transfers. 2020, there was 29. In 2021, to date, there's been 15. So, the data isn't supporting the trading, the paint belief. Now, Sunday... Uh, we had a National Fire Academy course program running, and I had a a, a chief in the group, and he said, "Look, I, you know, it's happening a lot." And I didn't have this number right. at the time, so I I was agreeing, I was agreeing with him. He said, "Look, I get people calling from this department, calling my people, you know, in recruiting from them. Hey, you got to come work here, right? You 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 know, come come to this you know department and and work here. Now, whether it was." A a, uh, known thing by the town, so town fire chief or city fire chief would say, "Hey, here's a roster. Go, go recruit. Go fish in that pond." Mm -hmm. Or it was maybe it was a byproduct of the some states or some cities are saying, "You know, you hire, you bring somebody on, you
0: get a bonus." Yeah, we don't do the bonus. We and I don't. I don't recruit other from other departments. You know. But I, if our personnel are out and they're talking to their fellow firefighters of other departments and, they, and they're selling, hey, this is a great place to work, this is, you know, you'd fit in great over here, you know, hey, that's. That, you that's you want them the, to say that, want. right? Oh, absolutely. If they're saying don't come here, I, that, we have bigger issues. That's a different problem. So that's right? a different problem. Um, but, you know, I, you know I, I think any fire chief would be proud to have their personnel going, hey, this is the place you want to be, you know, and uh, I know I would be
2: so scott wants to know how do we
0: fish outside of our pond and bring uh firefighters in from other states i think it's great you know I, the social media aspect is social media is worldwide right so that certainly helps um uh yeah i we've had um we've had firefighters from out of state uh, i have a couple in my department that came from out of state yeah. um they came up here I don't think when they, one or two of them had pro board stuff, one I think one of them didn't. So he came up here and went through the programs and, and, and took care of it. They were firefighters out of state, but it wasn't pro board. So they, they came up and got all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly would think that maybe the Southern part of the state would see a better draw to that just because, you know, maybe they're grabbing from Massachusetts or whatever. but. Yeah, I mean, statewide, I mean, I, there's a lot of people from here that are sure. come outside, and I would certainly be open to seeing more. I would love to see more. So just full disclosure for
2: everybody, uh, I, I don't know who signed on, but on the registration list, there were three participants that were from outside the state uh, that had signed up. So, you know, they're doing it, they're yeah. looking at it, and uh, so why shouldn't we? Right, right. yeah. So, uh, Chief, I want to talk about, you know, we joke about this. We've talked about it when you've come up to the rink and you've walked through. So CPAT has become a uh, a uh, recruitment venue yes. uh, for some career chiefs, yes. uh, to the point where uh, Scott Merrill and I were talking about it after our last event here, that we should sell admission tickets <laughs> to those fire chiefs that are coming here and recruiting for uh, from CPAT. Uh and we've had situations where uh, I think the last one at the rink in June, June or, or May, whenever, yeah, whatever yeah. it was,
0: you hired someone off the floor, uh, uh, and Franklin did. Um, you, you, I'm sure he's listening. As you can tell Scott I'll pay admission if I have to go down and <laughs> <laughs> a cup of coffee. I'll bring him a cup of coffee. Then. Um, no, the yeah, well. Look, if you're taking CPAT, you are most likely looking to work full time. Correct. I mean, you could be taking it for a not, but let's face it, you probably are looking to go full time. Right. Um, so yeah, we've turned that as part of one of our. I said we had a, a small re- recruitment committee, and that's one of their responsibilities is they go to they go to CPATs. So now they help out there, they work there, they they, they 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 are part of the program. Great. So we're not just you know trying to freeload off of anything. We're <laughs> actually trying to help you. Um, but yes, we have a we have. Um, a nice letter written up, um, our flyers written up. It's in a nice envelope. If you're, if you're at all thinking about it, we just it gives you a chance to go home and read it and, and think about it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a great. I, th- I think it was one of the things that we've seen actually be successful. Yeah. And and whether that means that you know I don't know if you're going to ask you know should we be doing more or less at there, <laughs> but you know making it a making it a career fair. Um, isn't a bad idea.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked about it, and and thank you. Cap Merrill would be on my case if I didn't say, yes, Laconia's come in, Chief Bean's come in, and he brings people, and they're helping out. They're part of the process, which uh, allows us to the state to keep the cost down, uh, because that that's an issue as well. I walk
0: around and shake hands. Yeah, but uh, But the other guy's Chief chief Bean, and the other.
2: Uh, So yeah, well, Chief, you want to come in? You want to? You'll find no greater opportunity to see these people (coughs) put under stress than when they go through the CPAT. Uh, A great opportunity to see what you know people are made out of. Uh, But we ask that it, it from you know I got my CPAT hat on, right? It it can't just be about recruitment. We need your help to, yep. to help run the program. It, you know, uh, maybe we put uh, my, uh, Captain Balcom, Mikey Balcom's been talking. You know, we should put a sign up, a poster board, and put all the announcements up. You know, and say here, you know, here are the departments that are hiring <laughs> today. Uh, but you know, maybe it becomes a, a a you know like a trade show where you we put up a tent and. They, the cities and towns have a table, and you want to go talk to that chief. Go talk to that chief. You know, here, here they are, and you, you have to do
0: that. And I think you, I think you could do something like that because I mean, if, like I said, the state is wide open as far as where you want to work. If I'm somebody that, you know, I grew up in the seacoast, that's the only place I really want to live and work. There's a lot of seacoast departments. You get, you know, that if you do well, you're probably going to get into one of those. And or maybe I don't have any idea. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I know, you know, you, you know. You think back. What was the old saying? And it wasn't that long ago. I know when I was trying to get hired, um, you took the first job offered, right? You you got get your in, the the in the system. You got your foot in the door. You got into the system, and yeah. you and you then you figured out. Okay, I'm not happy here. I can go somewhere. And it was amazing how many people didn't go anywhere. Um, but um, yeah, I I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to seeing something like that at all. Yeah. Um, so, it, and we talked about you know trading paint
2: and laterals, and I know from my conversations with chief the chiefs and f- folks in Manchester, you know as much as they get their finger pointed at them for taking folks, they lose folks too that they're leaving and going to yep. to different departments uh, for different reasons, you know. Uh, so it it you know it works in different directions. So, uh, <laughs> so just just while we're on CPAT for a second, let's just talk about because uh, usually. Uh, if you're if you're a career department and you're looking to hire from the from the state list, uh, we will send you out a state list. Uh, you got to get a CPAT license, which is free, and Captain Merrill will help you do that. Uh, but the state the last state list that we sent out had 415 names on it. Now uh, the, the couple of chiefs that I talked about that they say no way. There's no there's not that many people on the list. Well there are as we talked about some some of them have already been picked and they're hired some of them are on the list only because they want to they want to go work for that department and and that department says you have to be have a, a CPAT within a year uh but there's 415 names on that list uh 255 of them have Fire 2 and any level of EMS uh, qualifications. 104 of them have uh, Firefighter 2 and are an EMT, and 27 of them have Fire 2 and are paramedics. So, uh, the numbers, there are some numbers there. Uh, But our numbers, our CPAT numbers are down. So, we used to run CPATs, you know, we'd do once a year you know, in April and June would one and a second event for retest, and we would do 400 people. Now we're running four events, four different times, four different months, and we're doing 230, 239, I think the number was for for this year. So we're doing more events and getting
0: less people, so, but. Yeah, again, I think I agree with you that, you know, some are already probably working places, some are specific departments that they're looking for. you know, the 104 with the AEMT, you know, add the paramedic, you're, you know, a little over 130, you know, with AEMT or paramedic. Take the ones that are already working out or have a specific department in place. You gotta, you know, it still shows why the numbers are down, from sure. um, applicant wise.
2: But it also goes to your point, I think, that maybe you can't hire that A, you have to find yeah. the EMT, and that's and, what you know we bring them up.
0: <clears throat> yep, and we talked about that earlier. That's you know, I think we're recognizing that.
2: Okay, so Brenda wanted to know, uh, she has some experience working in the schools and wants to know. What resources are available to help these teachers, you know, provide them some of these career links? And I think
0: we... Yeah, well, I can tell you that <clears throat> one of the things that the Recruitment and Retention Program is looking at, uh, the, that, the group of our organizations, is a canned program that we can send out to the um, schools, to anybody who wants it. Right. Send it to the fire chiefs of the, of the communities, and they can send it out to their... Um, schools, so the the guidance counselors and teachers can and, right. uh, have these programs yeah. shown to state level
2: version of this, <laughs> the right? state level
0: version of that. Right. Um, so it's a canned program, and 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 you know with the excitement that goes behind it, and you know you get the right personality talking, you get the right person doing the, you know sure. sounding sounding great on the on the camera, and and I think it would help out so a lot. So not us. Well, or I or, or, I wouldn't or, put me, or, but or I. Me. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, but you can certainly find somebody to do that, and I think that that's something we've actually talked about. So that way, the the, the message is consistent. Um, it's hitting all the important points, um, but also is easily accessible by like teachers, like like Brenda just said. Sure,
2: thank you, thank you, Brenda. Thank you. So Chief Warren was talking about uh, the aspect of pro board New Hampshire being a pro board state, and that allows uh, certain. Uh, uh, ease of access to bring out-of-state firefighters into into New Hampshire, into the New Hampshire Fire Service. So, uh, all set, Liam? Chief, I have two questions. Uh, first, I wanna say thank you again for being with us today, uh, but to two, my two closing questions. So, uh, what would Chief Biotti say to newly promoted Lieutenant Biotti?
0: I would say continue to study, continue to read, um, Expand your knowledge base. I've talked about this a little bit earlier with reading. You know, I found so much strong value in reading outside of the fire service. Um, I just finished a book written by a police commissioner, um, and you say, "Oh, that would work in fire." Oh, that wouldn't. You know, and, <laughs> but it's it's yeah. amazing what you what you can find. Um, private business. I I really just tried to grow that that reading knowledge. Um, and lastly, the one thing I, I, I tell and I tell all my new lieutenants this now, um, you know. Your firefighters expect you to, one, keep them safe, which we all know, but they want you to make a decision. They're, they're looking for you to make decisions. They may know the answers, they may have their idea what the decision should be, but they want you to make a decision. Whether, and that could be in a fireground, that could be um, on a personnel issue, that could be around the station, just on a daily routine. They look for you to make decisions um, and, and you need to be able to make good quality decisions quickly, but efficiently, and, and I think that that will and If you're consistent with your decision making, that that will gain you so much um, long-term success as a, as a early company officer.
2: Yeah, because your career's going to make you or break you. Yeah, right? Absolutely, I I so.
0: would know as a as a, I had great shifts, um, both as a captain when I I certainly did, but when I was a, a lieutenant, um, my two senior firefighters the entire time I was a lieutenant, um, one's my assistant chief now, one's one of my lieutenants. Um, they would be not afraid to say. Why don't you go do your thing? I'm a, well, we've got it from here. You know, but, but that's what you want. You want them. Yeah. They know you, they have your direction. They know you have your decision-making and you've made your decisions. And they'll take it from there and, and run it. And uh, it was been, uh, you know, they make or break you. Yeah. No question. And uh, you talked about education and
2: reading list And yep. reading lists, if you've been in the fire officer program recently, you know I talk about reading lists. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of reading. So yep. give me give me your number one book on your reading list that you would talk about the most.
0: It's And I always have to look at his name because I will pronounce it wrong. It's, he's a captain, uh, the retired captain in the U.S. Navy, Michael Abershoff. And I'm sure I pronounced his last name wrong. <clears throat> he wrote two books. He wrote a book. Well, he probably wrote more. But two of the books he's written. One's called "It's Your Ship," and the other one's called "It's Our Ship," and they have sort of a similar theme. But the "It's Our Ship" is a great, and I recommend it to all my new lieutenants. Um, it really—it's it, all about how to make your organization yours, with input and work from all of your personnel that are with you to make it a really a, a, a family centered, you know, organization that is successful. And uh, absolutely, it's a quick read. Absolutely love that book. Uh, I've read both of those. Uh, the It's it's Our Ship, I think, is is exactly what a, a new young officer should be reading.
2: Yeah, very good. Thank you for joining us our, at our kitchen table. And uh, we appreciate your input and uh, spread the world.
1: Thanks for joining us. You, too, can be part of our conversations in person or virtually. Go to nhfa-ems.com forward slash kitchen-table-conversations to register for our next event and to find our other podcasts. Join the conversation.